Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. One day Elisha went to Shunna, a prominent woman who lived there, persuaded him to eat some food. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. Then she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. So let's make a small walled-in upper room and put a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp there for him. Whenever he comes, he can stay here. And one day he came there and stopped at the upstairs room to lie down. And he ordered his attendant, a Gehazi, called call the Shemanite woman. So he called her and she stood before him. And then he said to Gehazi, say to her, look, you've gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I am living among my own people. So he asked her what should be done for her, and Gehazi answered, well, she has no son, and her husband is old. Call her, Elisha said. Go, uh, call her, Elisha said. So Gehazi called her, and she stood in the doorway. Elisha said, at this time next year, you will have a son in your arms. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your servant. The woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the same time the following year as Elisha had promised her. You may be seated. If you'll want to leave your Bibles open to that uh, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, as we're going to be going through this uh, this morning. Again, I believe the Lord laid this upon my heart today for someone. And so as we begin to look at this story of Elisha, uh, has been passing through this area, and this woman, uh, she recognizes that he's special. She recognizes that there's something different about him, and so she invites him into her home to have a meal. And uh, apparently the meal was so good, and the company was so good, and the hospitality was so Awesome that uh, the Bible says he stopped by there whenever he was in town, basically, and ate. After a period of time, uh, she uh, then said to her husband, you know, this is a holy man of God. This guy's different. Uh, this guy is special. And I would like to uh, build a room on our house that would be just for him. Put a bed in there and uh, put a table and a chair and a lamp that whenever he comes through this area, uh, not only can he eat with us, but he can also have a place to sleep, to rest. And if I may stop there for a minute this morning and uh, just just for a second say that uh, this husband, uh, I don't know what his uh, situation was. I don't know what his faith was like. We, the Bible really doesn't say anything other than well, we know that the focus was on uh, his wife because it was to her that Elisha said, what can I do for you? Not to the husband. 
Uh, and so uh, clearly the wife was the one who had taken the, uh, the steps to, uh, to invite this man of God into her home. And it had been the wife who had uh, went to the husband and said, you know, build this room so that he could stay here and have a place to rest. And, and uh, so she was the catalyst of recognizing that Elisha was special, a holy man of God, and she wanted him to be in her house. Uh, this morning, moms, wives, God desires to be present in your home. And whether your husband is cooperative or not, you must seek God and bring him into your home. You must set aside a place, a time where you can be alone with him, spend time with him. If your husband is uncooperative, if your husband is, uh, can be angry, if your husband can be mean, if your husband can give you a hard way to go, do it anyway. Prepare a special place where you can be alone with God and to invite him to be in your home. Because here's the thing. Your home will never be complete without God. Amen. Your home will never be complete without God. Now obviously if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And so you take God with you wherever you go. But there can be a difference in your home, especially if you're in a home that's divided. But we have to take the time, ladies, take the time as moms and as wives to call upon God, invite him into your home, regardless of the attitude of your husband. Yes, men are supposed to be the priests of their households, and men are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of their households. But I will tell you, in my lifetime, uh, the unfortunate thing is, is that the majority of churches that I've been in, the men have been weak and anemic. Uh, and uh, if you're waiting for your husband to get his act together, you may be waiting for a very long time. And that's a message for Father's Day, right? Uh, but we're talking about mothers and wives today. So if your husband is apathetic, if your husband is not sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, if your husband is not living for God, you need to make sure that you invite God to be in your house. Amen. Invite God to be in your family. Wives, if you are alone, your husband is not with you. You're alone with your children. If you're raising them by yourself, you need God in your house. Right. You need his presence and his guidance and his direction. You need him there. The Bible clearly says, Paul writes that a woman with her good conduct can see her family saved. He doesn't say a husband with good conduct. He says a woman. What he's talking about here is in a family where the husband does not know Christ. He's saying a wife and a mother who loves God, who lives it out in front of her family, who uh, serves God and is in his presence and who is uh, honoring him. 
and being obedient to him, it will be a witness to that family. And the husband will be saved because of the faithfulness of the wife. Now listen to me. The Bible is clear about being unequally yoked. And so uh, don't go out there and missionary date. You young ladies or you single ladies, uh, you don't go out there looking for the man you're going to convert. Uh, you know, not only convert him to your husband, but convert him to Christ, right? Uh, don't be going to looking for that fella. We're not supposed to be mission, missionary dating. We're not to be unequally yoked, right? Uh, but if you find yourself in a, a marriage, as, as my mom and, and my dad did, where my mom did not come to Christ, uh, return to him until after they had been married, and, uh, and, and she uh, began to try to go to church, and my dad did not like it, uh, he was honoring, and he was being, and he got mad when she wasn't at the house all the time. And I know I've said this before, but he gave my mama an ultimatum one day and told her, you choose Jesus or you choose me. And mama said, well, I'm going to choose him every single time, Jesus every single time. And when my dad saw that she meant serious business, uh, he quit aggravating her uh, he, uh, as it relates to uh, being going to church on Sunday mornings. Now, he still uh, did not support her. Right, because on Sunday nights she wanted to bring us boys to church, uh, uh, but Dad made sure that on Sunday nights that was our night with him, and he would take us to the park and go for a walk. I think that was his little way of rebelling. Right, so you could have a husband who is not supportive, or you could have a husband uh, in your life, uh, or a father uh, who's a straight out hungry and me, who gives you a hard way about being in God's house, and gives you a hard way to go on being uh, away from home in the Lord's house, and maybe even in your home uh, gives you a hard way to go. But listen to me. Uh, it's better uh, to seek God and invite Him into your home and to follow after Him uh, than to uh, be afraid of your husband. Yeah. Don't be intimidated by Him if He's giving you a hard way to go, but seek God. Seek His face. And by your conduct, He will be one. Don't give up hope. Don't give up on what God can do. Because God can change a heart in an instant. God can change an attitude in an instant. We never know what God can do. And it is in His timing. And so this morning, I encourage you to make sure that God is in your home. Pray, seek him. No, you can't change your husband's behavior, but you can pray for his behavior. Yes. He may not recognize the power and the presence of God, but you can. Uh, you can pray, you can seek God, and he may never admit it, but he'll recognize that something's not quite the same around the house as it used to be. Pray for your husband. Seek God on behalf of your husband, on behalf of your children and your family. Don't ignore him and don't be intimidated into silence but call upon him. I'm not telling you 
Ladies, to be ornery or obstinate, that's the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying go to the secret place in your home and seek God. You don't have to be flagrant with it. You don't have to be combative with it. Do what your prayer and seek God in secret and let God work it out. So this lady, uh, the Bible says that uh, in verses, starting with verse 11, that Elisha was so uh, grateful for what uh, she had done for him that he wanted to do something special for her. Uh, so she, he called, uh, he called and, and asked what he could do for her, and uh, she said, look, uh, Elisha, I'm content. I'm with my people. I'm happy. She was wealthy, uh, a wealthy lady, uh, obviously owned land, and, and, and uh, you know, she felt like she didn't need anything. She didn't have a child, but she had pretty much reconciled herself to the fact that she would never have children. Her husband was old, and, you know, that, uh, that, that, that was not a possibility. So for her part, she was content in her life with what she had. So... Elisha says to his servant, listen, what then can we do for her? She, she won't tell me anything. She, she says she's happy, and I want to do something for her. And, and one of the things I'd like to point out is and, and how great this woman and how important this woman was to Elisha because of her actions and because of her life and because of what she'd done is he actually volunteered to talk to the king on her behalf. He volunteered to go to the captain of the armies on her behalf for any request that she might have. Elisha obviously had some influence there that he, he volunteered to go meet the king and petition the king and say, King, you need to do this for her because of her faithfulness and because of her love that she had shown. So the servant Gehazi says, well, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is old. Elisha said, all right, call her back in. Now that's important because even though she had reconciled herself to the fact that she would not have children, uh, the fact that her, son, her husband was old meant that without a son, if he died, he would not have an heir. And so all of their stuff would just be gone. It would not be left to his son. It would left all the rest of the family to, uh, you know, destroy a brother or, or whatever the case may be. And so he had no heir. And so within this promise that Elisha makes to this woman, he's making something larger uh, than just a child, but also an heir. Now, uh, of course, this is uh, to, just personal to her, right? Uh, the fact that, that uh, God was going to give her an heir, a son, and, uh, and this family an heir for their, uh, you know, uh, wealth and their, uh, for their land and so that uh, he could inherit it and keep it in the family and pass it on to his children. That was a promise of God that was important at this time in history. 
Very important. It was a sense of pride uh, to have a son that you could leave your, uh, your land and your wealth to and it could continue to be passed down to that, their son and their family, uh, to future generations. And uh, So this was an important promise. And what it points out to you and I is that God cares about you and your circumstance. Uh, no matter what you're going through, God cares about you. Independent of everybody else around you, God still cares about you. He sees your tears. He knows what you're facing. He knows what's important to you. It may not be important to anybody else around you. Mm -hmm. But he knows what's important to you. And he hears your prayers. He knows your heart. And he knows your tears. He sees you cry. He hears your prayers. And he cares so much about you. That he will meet you at the point of your need, regardless of the circumstances around you. And in the case of this woman, it was to give her an heir, a son. And so uh, she was like uh, overcome and said, listen, don't make promises you can't keep, brother. Don't lie to me, man of God. Don't get my hopes up. Right? Because uh, she had finally reconciled herself to the fact that she was never going to have a child. Now, I can't personally uh, say how that would feel to have gotten to the place where you had wanted children so very, very bad, but finally gotten to the place where you said, I'm not going to have children, and that's okay. Right? I don't know if you're ever truly okay with it. I, I don't know. Uh, my wife... And I never had those kinds of issues, you know, by God's grace. But we have family members and we know of people uh, that, that, uh, that have had those situations where they could not conceive. Right? And so I don't know. I can't tell you how this lady felt. But you can tell the fact that she said to this man of God who she knew was a man of God, don't lie to me. That she did not want her hopes to get up again. That she had buried that desire and that dream along. Oh my goodness, ladies. That dream that you have in your heart that God has, I'm going on a tangent, God placed there so very long ago uh, that you put aside and said, I'll never happen because this happened in my life and that happened in my life and this happened uh, that it, it can't take place. That God can't do that. And so you've resolved yourself to the fact that it'll never happen the way that you hoped in your heart and believe that God would do it and God says that dream is still alive that as long as he sits upon the throne don't give up that the plan and the purpose that he has for you Amen. it may not be a child but it may be some other dormant dream that you had that God gave to you a purpose a goal a dream a vision a mission that you believe is too far out of reach it's dead and gone and you've convinced yourself that it'll never be possible and you're Hear me this morning that God is saying to somebody today, that dream is not dead, but it can be brought to life with but a word from your father. Amen. A door can open. A circumstance can change. God can move at an instant and bring life to that dream. When you least expect it, mm -hmm. God can move mountains. 
God can bring life to a barren womb. Amen. Giving birth to that dream. And so this promise, and the Bible says that almost a year later, as Elisha had promised, she had given birth to a son. And everything was going to great. This was a child of promise. Right? When she started out, she didn't uh, uh, make this house and invite Elisha in this, this room to get anything from him. But as a result of that, and she, she was now had a son, and now he's old enough that he can talk. We know that he can talk because he actually speaks to his father, so he's old enough. Uh, I read uh, in one place that when a child was four or five years old, they were considered old enough to start going with their dad to work, to go work in the field, to kind of see how it was going. But we don't know exactly how old he was. We do know he was old enough to talk. And the Bible says that while they're out in the field, uh, he goes to dad. He says, dad, my head hurts. My head hurts really, really bad. Now, this was the time of the harvest. And so uh, it was probably hard work out there, uh, even in the morning, because the Bible says uh, that uh, dad said, he said to his dad, my head hurts. And, 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 and dad said, you know what? Go on and see mama, which is what us dads do, right? Uh, we don't uh, necessarily are going to go and, and, and feel like there's some critical thing going on. Uh, but he said, go and see mama. And I, I tell you, um, pretty much with my children, no matter what the injury was, was, I said, go see mama. Uh, you know, she'll uh, put some loving care on it and you'll be okay. Uh, you know, uh, that's just how us dads are, right? He didn't think there was anything really wrong, just that he didn't feel good. He was sick. And so he sent him home, but when mama saw him, mama knew there was something more wrong than the normal uh, four or five-year-old, uh, you know, not feeling good. In fact, uh, because of his symptoms, uh, the, the saying that he had that headache, and because of the time of year and the work that was being done, he most likely had heat stroke. And so uh, Mama saw uh, what no one else could see. Mamas and children, let me say this to you, you sons and daughters. Mamas can see when you're hurting and you think that you've hidden it. You mamas have a special gift for being able to see uh, the severity of a situation. Just how bad your child is really hurting. Kelly and I, I'll be completely and utterly oblivious to what one of our sons might be going through and think it's not that big a deal. But Kelly recognizes and senses that it's a lot bigger deal than what I sense it to be. Mamas just have that ability to know that there's something more going on than what the man or the father may see. That nurturing, loving, caring uh, aspect of who they are. And so she knew something was wrong, and so she just sat and held him on her lap. Held him on her lap. And I can imagine she's holding him and rocking him, and definitely if she was a mother today, she would have been praying over him. Oh, thank God for the prayers of mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers. Where even if we were too big to sit in their lap and hold and rock, they were in the quiet place in their home, crying out on our behalf. We take for granted the blessings that we have because of the prayers of God-fearing, God-loving, and praying mamas. And grandparents, I've told you this before, my grandma, I would lay in bed 
when she lived with us and I would hear my grandmother call out my name and my brother's names and all of my cousin's names. Every night before she went to sleep, she called out our names. No big, great prayer, no huge King James, thee, thy, thou, just called out our names. That's a special prayer the mama prays because she has that nurturing, caring heart and recognizes when things are not what the husband can see, but naturally. And so she's hugging him and she's loving him and she's rocking him. And unfortunately, she passes, rather the, the, the son dies in her arms. Now this mama, she knows that a promise was made to her. A promise that she even said to the man of God, don't make this promise if you can't keep it because that's a dream that's been dead for a long time. You're about to pour a little water on it and get some hopes up. Don't, don't, don't make a promise you can't keep. And now here we are, he's, you know, four or five years old and everything's gone good. And now she's rocking him and that son of promise is now lying dead in her lap. Now she had a choice to make. In the customs of the time, it would have uh, been you pick up that child and you start the... Uh, 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 you grieve, but you start the, the, the burial uh, 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 ceremonies and getting that child buried in a tomb immediately. They did that for all bodies, all, all dead folks, uh, uh, you know, grown and child alike uh, for the various, you know, obvious reasons. But for some reason, and I believe the reason is, is because she knew that this child was a miracle and this child was a child of promise. She took him and she laid him in the bed of the prophet. Where the promise had been made, she returned the child to the source of the promise where the promise had been made, laid him in the bed, and shut the door and said, I'm going to go talk to the man of God who made this promise to me. Now, mamas, uh, your children uh, are children of promise, and they've been given you uh, by God as a gift uh, and uh, by God uh, as a blessing to your life. So don't be content when the enemy walks in and tries to destroy them. Don't be content when the enemy comes in and tries to steal that promise. But you go right back to the source, and the source is the one who formed them, uh, knew them before they, he formed them in your womb. The source is the one who knew their name before. For you held them in your arms. The source is the one who planned and fashioned their days before they ever were conceived. And that source is the God of heaven. Take that child before the throne room of God and intercede on his or her behalf. Don't let the devil just win. Don't let the devil have your kid. But go and fight and pray on behalf of that child. Your child is lost in drugs and alcohol, lost in an immoral lifestyle. If your child is lost in sin, don't just give up. Don't just get the burial garments ready. But uh, go right back to the source and give that child back to God and say, God, you gave him, you gave her to me, and I raised him or her, and a fear and a knowledge of you, and I am trusting you and what your word says. That if I raise a child in the way that he should go, that when he's old, he'll not depart from. Amen. Claim the promises of God. Don't give up. Don't walk away. Don't become discouraged. But take that child back to the source. Take him or her back to the throne room. Yes. Amen. Amen. Give him or her 
your daughter, your son back to God. Give your grandchild, your grandson, your granddaughter, bring him or her back to God. Your great-grandchild, bring him or her back to God. Take him or her's name before the throne of grace and cry out, do whatever is necessary. Fast and pray and seek God. Go to battle for your child. Amen. The husband is coming in and he sees the mama. Uh, she gets uh, uh, dressed and ready. She's going to go on a trip because she's not satisfied that her son is dead. She ain't going to just walk away. That, that was a child of promise. And she wasn't going to just walk away from that blessing and walk away from what God had done. And her, oh my goodness, sometimes God does things in our life and works and then some circumstance or situation comes and sours our outlook on life and we just walk away and give up on God when God wants us at that time to keep pressing forward. And when the, the wife saw her husband and the husband said, where do you think you're going? And she said, listen, I'm going to go see the man of God, the prophet. And the husband said, look, uh, it ain't the new moon and it ain't the Sabbath. Why are you going to go see him for? Why? Because the belief at that time was that uh, the new moon was special. Uh, you, you, you would seek God or the man of God or the prophet on the new moon, which is the first of the month, or you would seek him on the Sabbath. Every Saturday you could seek that prophet. But during the rest of the month, during the rest of the week, uh, uh, you left the man of God alone. It just wasn't normal to go out of cycle, right? Uh, but she said, listen, everything's okay. She didn't even tell him the son was dead. As far as he's uh, aware, the child's asleep. Uh, she doesn't even tell him he's dead. Uh, she says, I'm going to go see him. Uh, and she doesn't even involve him. That's how strong this woman was in her faith in God. I don't know if it's a testament to how strong she was and how weak he was. I I'm not sure. Whatever the case may be, she says, husband, uh, I'm going. And he let her go. She got the servant and she said to him, listen, you get that donkey ready. And I want you to go as fast as possible. Don't you slow down unless I ask you to slow down. Don't you worry about the pace. Uh, you keep going as fast as you can. Why? Because she was on a mission. She was on a mission to petition the man of God on behalf of her son. And nothing was going to slow her down. Not her physical needs. She wasn't going to slow down for hunger. She wasn't going to slow down because she was thirsty. She wasn't going to slow down because she was uncomfortable in the saddle. She wasn't going to slow down because of her age. Oh my goodness, I wish Bible was in here. She was going to go as fast as she could and keep moving forward to petition God on behalf of her son. That's right, amen. Nothing was going to stop her. Nothing was going to slow her down. Not her husband, not her servant, not her age, not nothing. Because God had given her a promise, a promise that, uh, uh, that she uh, had been awoken inside of her, an heir, and she was not about to let it go. Mamas, uh, don't give up. Don't give up hope when things get tough. Uh, don't give up hope when those children get meaner. Don't give up hope when that husband gets angrier. Don't give up hope when things get worse. But you put on your walking shoes. You put on your prayer, uh, you know, uh, spirit of prayer and thanksgiving and you start walking and you keep praying and you keep fasting and you keep seeking God no matter what uh, and you get the answer to that uh, uh, on behalf of your child. Amen. No one loves your child like you love your child. Only God loves your child more. 
You can't rely on somebody else to fight for your kid. You got to go fight for your kid. And don't let unbelief of a husband, a father, friends, family, whatever the case may be, don't let them keep you from battling on behalf of your child, your sons, and your daughters. So she went. She came to the man of God. And Elisha, he saw her coming. And he knew something must be wrong. Why is she coming all this way? Uh, Bible scholar says she was about somewhere between 15 and 25 miles away from uh, Mount Carmel. And she was riding on the back of a donkey over tough land. No, no soft ride in a seat. It was a tough ride going as fast as she possibly could as an older woman trying to get to the man of God. Wasn't like getting in your car and driving up to Woodbridge when there's no traffic. <laughs> this was a long trip and a long day. Elisha sees her coming. He sends out his servant to her to say, hey, what's wrong? Uh, she wasn't taking no chances. Uh, she wasn't having no intermediary going on her behalf. So she says to the servant, it's all good. Uh, get out of my way. <laughs> uh, I, I got to get to the man of God. Right? It, it's all good. Uh, I'm not here to see you. She wasn't going to let somebody be her intermediary. She wasn't going to rely on somebody else to pray for her kid. She wanted the man of God. She was going straight to the source on behalf of her child. And so she gets uh, before Elisha, and Elisha knows something is wrong. She grabs onto his feet. I mean, she falls before him and grabs on, wraps her, her arms around his legs, and uh, Gehazi comes over, and he's going to push her off and get her out of the way. And why are you touching him? And Gehazi, uh, Elisha says, look, uh, uh, don't touch her. Let her be. She's hurting. She's in anguish, and God hasn't shown me why. I can see that she's hurting clearly, but I don't know why. And he says, what's wrong? She doesn't say that her son is dead. She doesn't say he was sick and died. She doesn't give him the whole story. All she says is, you made me a promise. I told you not to make that promise if you weren't going to keep it. And when she said those words, he knew exactly what happened. That boy had died. He had made a promise. A promise that God kept, God delivered on, and she came when she thought that promise was unfairly and untimely terminated. So Elisha says to his servant, here, take my staff. You're faster than I am. I don't think this is because Elisha was lazy or anything. He told old Gehazi, gird yourself up, meaning take up your... Your robe that you have, you tie the men would tie it up so they could run and not trip over it. He said, tie that joker up, take my staff, this is important, and run as fast as you can. Don't stop and talk to nobody. If someone says hi, you ignore them. This is important. You go straight to this child and you lay my staff on top of them. Because this is important to Elisha. He, th this promise was important to him as well. He, she was hurting. And so the woman says, listen. I ain't leaving 
unless you leave. Now she had already made that trip of 25 to her 15, 25 miles on the back of the donkey already. Uh, she said, I'm going to get back on the donkey and I'll go when you go. So Elisha got his stuff ready and he left. Now he, he wanted the child to be seen as soon as possible. So he let Gehazi keep going, run like he was, had told, been told. It's a good thing that woman held on to the man of God and said, you got to come too. Because when Gehazi laid that staff on top of, uh, on top of the child, uh, nothing happened. And he met, as, as, as Elisha and the woman was making their way, he ran back to them and said, look, it didn't work. He's still asleep. He didn't wake up. And uh, Elisha said, all right. So they finished their way to the house. And when he gets there, he goes up and he prays for the child. The Bible says that he lays down and he put his mouth over the child's mouth, his eyes over the child's eyes, and his hands over the child's eyes. He bends over him like this. And this is exactly what Elijah, he had seen as Elijah do when he was following Elijah. Something Elijah had done when he raised a child from the dead. The Bible says that the child became warm, but he did not wake up. Meaning he, you know, uh, uh, heat had returned to his body. He, he, he now was alive. Blood was flowing, it was circulating, but he didn't wake up. And so Elisha didn't just... You know, take that as a good sign and say, all right, I uh, hope he gets better. I'll, I'll see you later. Uh, this was important to him. And so he waited around. The Bible says he went and he just walked around. And I want to believe that he was probably praying that whole time, saying, God, look, I, uh, this, this, you gave this lady this child, and this promise was made, and, and now this little guy is dead, and, and uh, I need you to, to, to do something Please, uh, you know, restore this child. And he goes back upstairs after pacing a little while and he does the exact same thing. He bends over the child and, and then puts his eyes on his eyes and his mouth on his mouth and his hand on his hands. And the Bible says suddenly the child steeds seven times, sat up, good as that goal, perfectly awake. And the mama said, my goodness, she fell down at the feet of Elisha, took her son and left the room. She was so excited. Listen, that child was healed. That child was raised from the dead because a mama did not give up at the first sign of difficulty. She recognized the promise of that child. She recognized that that child's purpose, that he was an heir to uh, her, her family. She recognized the significance of that child. And so she went to battle uh, when the odds were against her. It was not common for a woman to get on and travel like that. It was not common for her to be by herself. You know, she had a servant, but to leave her husband back at home, you know, that wasn't a normal thing. Uh, yes, she fought that battle. She chased after the man of God. And because of her faithfulness and because of her tenacity, her tenacity, her child, that promise was restored. He was raised back to life. Mamas, you have such a strong part to play in your family. Your husbands, if they're present, are supposed to be the spiritual leaders. And even if your husband is a godly man who loves God and who is a, a priest of his household like he's supposed to be, you are still just as important to be that prayer warrior and that support over your children. Pray, 
pray, pray, pray. If you're in a home where you are alone, your husband doesn't know God, or your husband is no longer there, whatever the circumstances, oh, even more, seek God on the behalf of your family and your children. My mom raised two young boys all by herself without a man. And it's God's grace and mercy that we turned out the way that we are, and that's because of a praying grandmother and a praying mama. Because my dad did not get saved until about six or eight months before he died. She had no support at home. All she did was pray, 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 pray. So mamas pray, pray, pray. God can do amazing things when you pray. Amen. Don't give up if your child doesn't know God. Don't give up if your child has walked away. Don't give up if your child is, is hurting. Just pray harder. We've had circumstances in our own life, Kelly and I, with our children, where they were hurting and you just didn't know how to help them. You didn't know what to do. Uh, you knew that they needed something. You knew that you, they needed a, a miracle, but there wasn't a miracle you could give. Only God could give. And so what did you do? You fasted and you prayed and you sought God, and even when it seemed years, and even two years, and you wonder, God, what in the world are you doing uh, to my baby? You made, right? Uh, that's your baby. Why aren't you moving on his behalf or her behalf? What is going on? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God starts allowing doors to open and walls to be broke down, and God answers those prayers and answers that sacrifice mm -hmm. because he has a plan for your kid your son, for your daughter, a purpose. Whatever it is, don't give up on that purpose. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.